My name is Brian Andrew. I'm here with my favorite bi-week stash, Stephen Galindo. What got you into fantasy football? <laughs> so what got me into fantasy football? Ten years ago, ten years ago, mm-hmm. this very special guy texted me, asked me if I wanted to be in a fantasy football league. And ten years later, here we are still in that same fantasy football league. And since then, you know, we've gone through ten long years of heartbreak, ups and downs, you know, bye weeks, forgetting to set lineups, you name it. So that's kind of my start in fantasy football. Nice, nice, nice. To to piggyback off of you, because I guess I skipped myself, I would I would say it's the same league because like I used to play fantasy football casually. You know, I would even play in those leagues and you know those random ESPN leagues that and you just like join a random one with random people in it. And then like six of them like auto pick and you're like, that's just your league. Uh, but when you entered, when you invited me to this league that you're talking about, which we'll get into in a little bit, this is the, probably the first time I started like really, really, really taking it seriously. And here we are now. We're talking about it with our friends on a podcast. One of those friends is my friend Ivan. Where, first of all, where have people may have heard you from? Yeah, so I uh so I'm currently on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel called the 100 Fantasy Football Channel and I credit a lot of it to one of our guests that we have here that I'm going to just give a quick little sneak peek into. Uh this same individual got me into fantasy football really hardcore. Just like you Brian, I was into those leagues where you're on ESPN, you're on Yahoo, you're you're playing with guys that, you know, you don't really know. But I've always dreamt of being a part of a live draft and I have to credit that to Mr. Eddie Zamora, who's here with us as well, who um, got us into this garage of his, and we just started drafting, and it became a really cool experience. And fast forward now, we're here ten years later. There we go. And you know, what? I'll just go. I'll just ride your segue into the next person, the commissioner of that league, Eddie Zamora. How you doing, sir? Pretty good. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's- it's an honor. I've been listening to all your previews the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's giving me insight on who to take and who not to take. And just, you you know, I just learned to take anyone that Steven doesn't like and take everyone that he likes, you know. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I'm super happy to be here with you guys. Um, I'm happy that I can be even a little bit part of your guys' story of why you guys love fantasy football. And I'm excited to get into it. So, What got you personally into fantasy football? Um. So the so this is like you guys mentioned before. This is our tenth year of our main home league called the Garage League. Uh, I'm the commissioner of it, and obviously you guys are all in it as well. Uh, one year before that uh, league started, I played in a league full of uh, coworkers, and uh, I have no idea what I was doing. They just invited me. They gave, handed me an ESPN Top 300 uh, standard league. Uh, rankings and I also got invited to a live draft and I fell in love with it so I said I have to do this for myself uh, next year with you know some of my friends because uh, the coworkers that I started playing uh, you know they were cool people but they weren't my you know true uh, friends to heart and so I wanted to have that experience with you know really close friends uh, so I, I started that next year um, and you guys are all part of it now so there you go we appreciate that we appreciate that and our final guest goes by Big Mike, maybe Mike O, Mr. O, Mike. He's also in this league, but he's also not new to podcasts. Mike, how you doing, sir? And what got you into fantasy football? 
doing really well, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. It's an honor. Uh, as far as what's getting me into fantasy football, uh, prior to joining the Garage League, uh, 2012, I believe, uh, it was dark times. Well, it's still dark times as a Raider fan, and I needed a reason to keep following football. So uh, year two with Dennis Allen, that regime, not a lot to look forward to. So I started playing fantasy football online, the random leagues on ESPN. And then, you know, the homie Eddie hit me up and said, hey, next year, let's let's join, like, let's start a league. And uh, that was my first experience doing a live draft. And, oh, my God, I, I fell in love ever since. Uh, can't mm-hmm. imagine not ever doing this league. So I hope hope it continues until we're all old men and uh, we have a lot to look back on. So. You brought up an interesting thing, and I'm going to go off script, Steve, and I apologize. <laughs> so I want, I, want to, I want to go around and ask someone this question. Would you rather win your fantasy football league or have your team miss the playoffs? Your your actual f- team that you love. So I'm going to go around first, Steven. Would you rather win your fantasy football league championship or have the Chiefs miss the playoffs? I'll put it this way. If I win the fantasy football league, it's a little less painful if the Chiefs don't make it to the Super Bowl. Okay. And vice versa. Like, for instance, last year I didn't make playoffs in the fantasy league, but I got to see the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Sorry, Ivan, I know that one hurts, Eagles fan. But it it took away a little bit of the pain. So, yeah, I experienced two heartbreaks last season. So I I lost in the fantasy championship, and I also lost in the Super Bowl. So didn't feel good at all. Um, But to answer your question, it's I think it's a twofold thing, man. Like if if the Eagles are not doing so well, I'm praying to God I have a good fantasy season, and you know, vice versa. If if I'm the if my fantasy teams aren't doing well, I'm hoping that the Eagles are doing well as well. I mean, are doing the opposite, which is well. So, uh, but I, I would have to probably say, no, if I'm being honest with you, uh, just now because my kids are into into the Eagles, it's it's so much more fun when when we're all enjoying the Eagles win. So, uh, this past playoff run, the girls started doing the gritty with Jalen Hurts, and that was so much fun to watch. Whereas in when they're excited to see Daddy happy about what's on his phone, there isn't as much excitement. So. I guess to answer your question, it, it'd be for sure the Eagles winning than my fantasy team. Right. Only because of the kids. All right. All right. Real quick, uh, before we get to the next one, Ivan, yeah. did you, have you gotten all your kids a, a, an Eagle shirt to wear on yeah. Sundays? Yes. All right. Good. Good. That's yes. what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah. My, my how about the wife? One, how about the wife? The wife has a shirt. Um, so my oldest had a Carson Wentz jersey for obvious okay. reasons. We got to get rid of it. So. Yeah. That's All right. right. I, I've all, I've always been someone who likes to hold on to jerseys of players that left because it proves that you were a big mm-hmm. fan of that team during this different era. Oh, sure. But uh, yeah, uh, Eddie, what's your team? Yes, sir. I think I know it, but what's your team? And if you would rather win fantasy football or yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting uh, that I you guys are all here and asking me this question. I think the only person that I've really knows like for sure is, is Mike, but I actually don't have a favorite football team. I, I really I don't. I'm not, I'm not a fan of any, like a diehard fan of any particular team, but I'm, I have a passion for football. I'm almost on borderline, like obsessed with football, especially fantasy football and just watching it in general. Um, I never got a favorite team when I was a kid. And I think when we started like our garage league and even maybe like a year or two before that, uh, when I obviously, you know, I was an adult, I, um, 
I said to myself, like, I don't think it's cool in quotation marks to get a favorite team now as an adult. I, I, if I was going to have one, I wanted it as a kid, either like either family or friends or just growing up loving a team. And since I didn't, I have one, I just never got one. So to be quite frank with you, I could care less if all 30 teams lost and nobody won the Super Bowl. As long as my fantasy team won, I would be the happiest camper on earth. Mm-hmm. So, all right. All right, there you go. There you go. Uh, Mike? Uh, for me, it's an easy one. I'm already used to my team not making the playoffs, so I'll, I'll just uh, win my league. <laughs> and speaking of jerseys, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, like, I like that you mentioned that, uh, Brian, uh, about like holding on to jerseys like from old times, you know, just to show that you've been a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, at one point in my life, I had a Darius Hayward Bay jersey. This was right after. Oh, I respect uh, that. He had a actually wow. pretty good season. Uh, it was Hugh Jackson's first year, and uh, I think uh, DHB had almost a thousand yards, and he had like five touchdowns. And it was like year three in his career, and I was like, okay, maybe Hugh Jackson unlocked them. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wishful uh, thinking there. For me, I've been a lifelong Rams fan since I was a kiddo. Even when they're like, you know. Technically, according to my dad, and I was a fan when they were in LA the first time around, but I was too young to even not recognize it. It was when they were in St. Louis that I really liked them. Uh, watched a lot of two and 14 seasons. And, uh, but I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. The Rams could fold as an entire franchise if it meant I won my fantasy football league. I'm absolutely okay with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I get frustrated sometimes when the Rams are winning games, and then like when the se- when my fancy football season's over, then I'm like, all right, let's see what the Rams are up to. Oh, they're doing well when they won the Super Bowl. That's great. But yeah, that's all about fancy football. Yeah, we- weeks one through seventeen, it's all about fancy football. Mm-hmm. There we go. So uh, let's move on to some news. Steven, want to lead us off? Yeah, I think I think we're stuck in this never-ending Jonathan Taylor saga, and. It's literally happened just randomly. One day, the Colts owner just decides to start tweeting things. And I feel like that's where it kind of, you know, hit the fan per se. Um, and we're still, we're still here in this, like I said, never ending saga. Now he's officially on the pup list, physically unable to perform. So he'll be out the first four games. Uh, how do you guys feel about drafting him still? Man, it's so hard to really approach him because we now know for sure. He's gone for four games, right? Which now what is 25% of the fantasy season. And that's just at a minimum because we don't know if this is going to lead to a ugly divorce. What team is he going to go to? How long is it going to take for him to get traded? So to think you're losing a guy for that long. And right now, I mean, he's currently going, what, second, third round. I would imagine I'd probably push him down running back 25, 30 range just because you know we're not going to have him. And I'd much rather have availability than i would of course the skill set of him right now just sitting on my bench yeah i agree with you i i'm 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 in i'm in that boat too like even if he does come back is he still going to be jonathan taylor like he missed so much training camp and if he does get traded he has to get used to a new offense and stuff like that like he might not even be that great you know he'd still be better than probably half the running backs available but like still might not give you the the season like we we recently had a draft someone took him in the third round like is he a third round running back this year i can't tell you that right now yeah so currently i think his adp is like in the second third round range um i would imagine with the recent news he's kind of slid now for me he's an easy fade uh in the first couple rounds uh but if he gets to round four seems a little bit more enticing so i'm personally 
not trying to draft Jonathan Taylor. However, uh, there are some reports, whether they're credible or not, I'm not sure exactly, but um, Green Bay and Miami is pretty interested in Taylor. And supposedly they're willing to give him like a sizable deal. Uh, I would be really, really uh, curious if he lands in Miami. Because I don't think in Green Bay he would blow up because I'm not sure if A.J. Dillon's going to go back in that deal or he's going to be stuck with somebody. They're not going to trade both running backs for Taylor. You know what I mean? Uh, so in Green Bay, he might not be an ideal uh, running back. But in Miami, that piques my interest and he could potentially be a league winner. Uh, but there's a lot of risk to it. So for me, if he slid to the fourth round, I'd roll a dice on him. And then, like this, this is like you kind of mentioned it is like you know the AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones uh, stuff too. Like this, just the fact that he's being rumored to Green Bay might affect their draft stock just a tiny bit too. Like it might not affect their ADP too much, but if it if it comes your way when you're trying to draft, you might be like, "Eh, I don't know, because like four weeks from now could be Jonathan Taylor leading the Green Bay offense. So, so I just wanted to make a quick note. I want us all to remember that. as early as, uh, I believe it was last year, towards the end of last year, he was uh, winning everyone their leagues. You know, so it's not like um, he's a scrub. He's a very, very talented running back. But uh, kind of to piggyback uh, off of what Ivan originally said, um, I think he kind of slips down to the running back 25, even 30 range. Um, like generally for me right now, uh, like going where he's at right uh where he's being drafted, uh, he's like a general avoid, uh, unless he gets traded, which would have to be at the trade deadline. Um, but even, uh, and, the, and let's just say he doesn't get traded. I think that for me, there, and he, he comes back after four weeks, there's just too many red flags. Like, you know, I don't think we've even talked about the actual injuries that he may or may not have. I know that he suffered a high ankle sprain uh, last season. And Michael Thomas is still kind of uh, dealing with like the remnants of a high ankle sprain. He dealt with it for a, a long time. And then there's like reports of like his back being, you know, tight and sores. And so there's just, there's just like too many things that are unclear. Like, I guess like my final thought on JC is I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't feel bad if I got burned by, you know, Jonathan Taylor. I would let someone else kind of deal with that headache. There's not very many paths to, you know, to success for him this season. Yeah, just to to follow up on that, for me personally, I know Mike said the fourth round. I mean, I think your first five picks are are very important. Those are obviously, I don't think those are the league winner picks, but they can definitely, you know, lose your season in those top five picks, especially a third round pick as as we saw in our our league. I feel like that's very, very risky. Obviously, like the reports of him being on the pub list wasn't out yet. So I can see, you know, it's it's a very high risk high reward but as everybody mentioned here i mean he's coming off an injury who knows what type of football shape he's in you know what what's the likelihood of him getting re-injured it just it seems like something that i wouldn't really take a chance on until maybe like the seventh round or later i'd be willing to lose out on one of those picks you know for for a flyer on him but anything before that i, I think it's way too risky yeah absolutely anybody got any final thoughts on jt before we move on so, uh, real quick, I thought it'd be helpful, um, you know, for listeners to kind of get an idea of of where uh, he's kind of settled in uh, after all the news. So, I wanted to do like a quick like this or that, like Johnson Taylor or uh, this player, and see who you guys would take between the two, uh, just to see like an idea of, of where you would draw the line. 
Um, so, uh, Steven, uh, would you take uh, JT or um, uh, James Cook? James Cook. Okay. Uh, Brian, would you take JT or David Montgomery? David Montgomery. Okay. Uh, Ivan, uh, JT or Damian Pierce? Pierce. Okay. Uh, Mike, uh, JT or Alexander Madison? I will actually take JT. Okay. So I just read to you guys the uh, the RBs in the 25, 26, 27, and 28 range. So it looks like, uh, uh, according to Mike, who answered last, he would take JT before taking Madison at RB29. Um, so, yeah, that should give you guys an idea of, of, of who we would take uh, before JT. Yeah. That make, that makes a lot of sense. I think everybody else has a pretty decent floor, at least. It's just we're not quite sure what Madison's floor is, <laughs> so I think that's where it's like it's more of a toss up between JT and Madison. Uh, let's move on to Cooper Cup. Uh, I'll say my piece. I've been saying for over a month now on this pod, watch out for Cooper Cup's hi- injury history. <laughs> uh, he he's. Kind of a he he I don't know I don't want to say this this might come off disrespectful he's been quietly injury prone his entire career like he's had really monster years where he's played all sixteen to seventeen games but then he's also missed entire seasons uh, and me and Steve were talking about before like even if he were to come back from this injury the Rams might you know be in tank mode by week twelve thirteen and they just shut him down for the rest of the season and that's like right before right. the playoffs so. Uh, that's my piece. I, I'm not going to say I saw this coming. I'm not trying to say I'm wishing injuries on players, but I was just a soft tissue injury, middle of training camp. Those things don't go away quietly. And here we are. He's not going to be ready for week one. We don't know when he'll be ready. Uh, prob- I would say, I would assume he's got to be ready for that f- before week three or four for the Rams to even try to <laughs> do something this season. Yeah, I think I've I've said this before. For me, a cup, obviously we all wouldn't debate this. He's a heck of a player, very talented. I think for me, obviously before the, the re-aggravation of the hamstring is it was all the factors outside of him, everything around him. The team not having talent. Are they really gonna, you know, compete? Why not try to get a better draft position? Um, if they're not in any type of competition, you know, by the middle of the season, do they shut them down? Do they start shutting players down? Like it's just too many risk factors for me. And obviously now that he has re-aggravated the hamstring and um, hamstring injuries, obviously always linger. I think um, from experience, when you, when you hear one of your players has a hamstring injury, you're like, Oh shoot, like this is a couple mm-hmm. week injury. Are they going to have to sit out and things like that? So for me, cup cup was always kind of a fade, more so to the back end of the first round, maybe the the, the start of the second round. I, I didn't really fade him totally, but with this reaggravation, like I, I feel like there's better value in in the first round there in that uh, you know seventh eighth pick that you can kind of avoid that situation altogether. Same thing like J, you know the JT situation. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you're kind of just letting them fall, and then um, I'd probably say you know in the third round if he's still there, I would you know I, yeah. I wouldn't mind taking a chance on him in the third round. Yeah, it's not it's not like yeah, it's like if he's a second third round draft pick, you're like yeah, I'll take a shot on him, especially if he could come back in a couple of weeks, but. 
the fact that he's a first round pick, like you, you usually try to avoid first round picks with question marks. That's all. That's just, I think it's just a natural mm-hmm. thing. If he's falling to the back end, end of the first, you know, AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs, stuff like that, but those kind of players, Bajon Robinson, you'd rather maybe take a flyer on one of them because they're going into the season healthy and they're all in decent offenses too, you know? So Cooper Cup's offense is declining. Although I think he's a talented player, but the offense is declining. Uh, possibly he is too health-wise. We're not quite sure yet. So Yeah, I'm so bummed about uh, his hamstring situation. So for me, I was very high on Cooper Cup. Even with like you know the initial uh, hamstring issue, I was you know considering taking him at four overall in the garage league. Um, I know all the concerns brought up are, are valid. However, like with the Rams situation, you know, they are a pretty bad defense, so they're going to be trailing a lot, playing in garbage time. I don't see McVay as the kind of coach that is willing to mail it in. Uh, he's had plenty of opportunities to do so. And he even tried to trade for Baker Mayfield to, you know, or he claimed them off waivers to try to save his season. He could have just easily tanked. Um, also, with Cooper Cup, he's like a minimum 180-target guy. Like, that that's hard to ignore. Uh, and then Cooper Cup's just a special player. You you can't guard him in the short area. So uh, with Stafford still a gunslinger, he's, you know, airing it out. Uh, he was very enticing at floor. But now, especially if we were to draft today, uh, he's an easy fade for me too. Uh, ideally, I think he'd at the end of the second round, beginning third round, that like uh, that turn right there would be a great spot for to take Cooper Cup. But yeah, at this juncture, uh, he's an easy fade for me first two rounds. Uh, yeah, you guys have all made really phenomenal points so far in Super Cup. Um, really, like, where I want to start with him is that he's 30 years old. Um, 30-year-olds typically don't heal very fast from hamstring injuries from personal experience here. Uh, I'm sure you guys, uh, you know, we're not world-class, a- world-class <laughs> athletes, but, you know, uh, hamstring injuries don't go away overnight. Um, and... Uh, I mean, I don't want to sound too, like, doom and gloom, but, like, I think of, like, Keenan Allen last year who was, uh, you know, in his 30s, who injured his hamstring, who was out several games, and he had a setback and was out several more. Uh, That's kind of, like, what I fear as a 30-year-old wide receiver uh, with a hamstring injury that kind of re-injures it. Um, You know, he tanked a lot of people's seasons at the beginning of last year. Uh, and I kind of just wanted to address, uh, you know, that's not to say that I wasn't high on him. Uh, I was very high on him. I, I considered him a top five pick. Uh, he almost had 2,000 yards, you know, a season ago, um, kind of let all, you know, wide receivers and receiving yards. Um, and uh, not to say that he didn't have his red flag. I know that the Rams weren't going to be good. But I think, you know, everybody in the first round has at least, one tiny red flag. I know Justin Jefferson has Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. I know Jamar Chase has to share the field with T. Higgins and, um, you know, Tyler Boyd. There's other capable receivers that everybody has like a little mini red flag and Cooper Cups was that the Rams weren't going to be very good. But agreeing with Mike that they had a bad defense, they were going to be behind and he is just going to be a target vacuum. Um, overall though, I think now it just increases his range of outcomes. So like before, his range of outcomes was either, you know, uh, take the wide receiver position by storm and have a huge year. And then his bottom range of outcome was to just to have a mid-year, maybe, you know, 1,200 yards, maybe 10 touchdowns. That's like, you know, mid-standards for Cooper Cup. And now I think it, you get introduced to a very uh, low floor, which is re-injury, missing out several games, maybe ending the year with like 
500 yards, maybe like four touchdowns. And um, like you guys uh, have, have all mentioned, that's not what you want from your first round pick. So I'm, I'm looking to get him in like the third or fourth round if he falls. But, you know, give me A.J. Brown, give me C.D. Lamb, give me, you know, give me any of those guys in the first or second round uh, before I pick uh, Cooper Cup. Yeah, before the news came out too, like if I had a late first round pick, I probably would, the name would cro- come across and you'd be like, uh, maybe I should do this. Like, cause he has potential wide receiver one value. Like he could be the best wide receiver out of everyone. But at the same time, like you're just like, there's other players that you're like, no, are going to safely play week one. And, you know, but he could come back and end up, you know, being wide receiver five, wide receiver 10. Like he could easily come back and do that. So, uh, yeah, if you're at the back end of the first round, you might think about it. But like, I think I still think there's healthier and better choices there. Yeah. And I think that with Eddie mentioning Keenan Allen, I think you bring up a, you know, very strong example too of who can really blow up when they do come back healthy. Because if you remember Keenan Allen, I think was the wide receiver three to end the season. When he came back from week 12 to end the season, he was actually blowing up. I think he was uh, – I have a stat right here. He was um, the third leading wide receiver in total fantasy points with 150. He put up 12 points in week 11, 15, 30, 20, 21, 16, 21, 11, 30. And those are kind of numbers that you can expect Cooper Cup. I mean, I had Cooper Cup last season. Unfortunately, it was only for nine games. But even during that stretch, he was still the wide receiver one on a points-per-game basis. So it's still hard to ignore that kind of production. And I think – because right now I'm seeing right now his ADP is currently at uh, wide receiver uh, – I'm sorry, it's going to hear it in the third round. So, I mean, that that range for that kind of production obviously is something that you can't ignore. So if I was, and I think we're all saying the exact same thing. If he's there in that third, fourth round range, he's a he's an easy guy to pick up at that kind of uh, just uh, you know at that price. But it's it's so hard to gauge because you want to make sure that you can at least stay as healthy as possible within those first five rounds. And I think that that's something that Stephen had prefaced for us earlier is that you know in those first four rounds you want to make sure that you're getting players that you can rely on and can make a huge impact on your roster. So Mike Evans is. From the reports I've seen, he is going to play, but he's given the Buccaneers the deadline of the first game of the season to come, you know, come up with a new contract. Um, I'm not sure what is going to happen if they don't. I guess is this his last season in Tampa, um, or is he going to be willing to give him a chance later on in the season? Um, is he going to? I doubt he's not going to play because um, he said, you know, he's going to be out there with Baker. So I mean. Mike Evans, I think we discussed this in our, our preview for that division. Uh, Mike Evans is usually somebody that I always stay away from only because of the inconsistency. Um, obviously, he'll give you that 40-point game every season. But uh, other than that, like he, he's going to give you some some flops too throughout the season. So, yeah, Mike, I don't know how you feel about Mike Evans. Yeah, so I think he's going like in the seventh round, if I'm not mistaken. Mike Evans... He's still that dude, but uh, if he gets a trade at some point in the season, uh, depending on where he lands, his stock could dramatically like increase. Uh, but for me, I'm a little worried about him signing that extension with Tampa, and he's you know he's saddled with uh, Baker Mayfield. I know I mentioned Baker Mayfield as a positive for the Rams at that point in the season, but as far as a full season, yeah, no, Baker Mayfield's <laughs> not good for fantasy football. Uh, DJ Moore uh, can attest to that. But yeah, um, <laughs> at this point, yeah, I would I would fade Mike Evans. But if you did if you did take him, 
uh, if there's a trade, depending on where he lands, that can be a huge bonus for you. You know, the biggest Mike Evans fan, but I'm actually really okay with where he's going. Like his ADP is in the eighth round, and at that cost, that's you know that's good value to me. He's going the same round with guys like, um, uh, let's see, uh, Brian Robinson, uh, Evan Ingram, Samaje Piran. Um, I know Stephen kind of mentioned you know his his, his inconsistency, which uh, I know that very much to be true uh, of of Mike Evans, but as uh, you know, him and Chris Godwin uh, might have, you know, each have a north of a 20% target share on that team. There's just them two. Uh, Rashad White is a receiving back, but they're, like, the offense is going to be funneled through those two guys. Um, Baker Mayfield, I think, is competent enough to, with, uh, you know, withhold that 20% target share. And at the eighth round, I'm willing to take that risk. Uh, but, to, uh, you know, to be honest, uh, my most favorable outcome is for him to be traded. I think he is a um, uh, good trade candidate by the trade deadline. And uh, my top two trade destinations for him is either the Lions um, or the Jets. I know they can use – I know Amon Ross and Brown can use an X receiver on the outside. There's currently none right now since Jameson Williams is suspended. And I know, uh, you know Corey Davis is retired on the Jets. Uh, Mike Evans would be an awesome Aaron Rodgers target. Uh, on the Jets, but uh, I, I'm okay taking them around the eighth round where he's, where he's flying right now. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I mean, the main thing with Mike Evans is that I know he probably, his fantasy outputs get a little bit inconsistent, but he, like for example, week 17, when it counts most for fantasy, he put up 38.7 points, which is nuts. He put up 207 yards, three touchdowns. Um, but even then, I think one thing that Eddie had said that I really liked about Mike Evans is the fact that you know he gets so much targets in that offense. I think that wherever he goes, he still has that production. If I'm not mistaken, he hasn't had a season where he hasn't had over a thousand yards, under a thousand yards. So this guy can you know get that yardage, and he's a big body target. And if he stays in Tampa, the one upside is that they do have the third easiest schedule for wide receivers. So that does uh, work in their favor. Plus, we don't expect them to win too many games, or rather be winning in too many games. So if they're trailing, Mike Evans obviously is going to be one of those beneficiaries because of that. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with all you guys a little bit. Like if he's there and you have the hole, take him. But at the same time, yep. um, uh, I've always been a little hesitant on him too. Cause like, he, like Steven said, he gives you that 40 point game and then one week he gives you four. So uh, it's just like, you know, and it's funny because sometimes our, our brains play this trick on us where we think certain players do certain things really well. and don't, But really, if you look at their stat line, they're actually really consistent. <laughs> like my mind's tired. Yeah. Uh, mind's lock it. <laughs> like, like he's actually pretty consistent. He's pretty consistent. But for some reason, I always think he's only scoring like five points every week. But then he gives you like a solid week. But really, if you look at it, he's pretty consistent. Uh, well, but, here, Brian, if it makes you feel any better, man, I'll read you Mike Evans's stat line, rather his fantasy productions. So week one, 13 points. Week two, six points. Week four, because he missed week three. Week four, 22. Week five, eight. Week six, four. Week seven, nine, 12, four, five, three, five, four, eight, two, and then 38. So, I mean, I think that really does make a case for your inconsistency. There there we go. So I, so we're not just like losing it, Stephen. We're, we're, no. we're, all right, cool. Uh, all right, do you guys want to go some highs and lows? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, a uh, player that I'm really high on, and you guys saw that uh, in our Garage League draft, really high on Jahan Dotson this year. Uh, I think he's 
really talented player. I know he's not the most super athletic receiver and the, you know, he doesn't have ideal size, but dude just, he wins his routes. Uh, he just knows how to play football <laughs> for lack of a better, uh, uh, lack of a better word. But basically uh, he's pretty good in the red zone too. I know he has, uh, he had a lot, of t- he had a lot of touchdowns, uh, more than you ex- you'd expect for someone his size. But I think he can continue to build on that. And I think uh, Sam Howell is going to surprise a lot of people with his play this year. So I'm banking on improved quarterback play. And uh, I see good seasons ahead for Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. I think Dotson is in line for a year two breakout. Uh, As far as uh, who I'm low on, I'm really low on James Conner. I know he's going to have the lead role. And there's literally no one else around him in that running back room. However, like the O line is very suspect. Uh, stacked boxes are bound to happen. With I don't even know who their starting quarterback is. They got rid of Colt McCoy, so if it's either Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon, it's going to be tough. And you know who knows if Kyler's going to come back. Uh, and then I think Arizona is one of those teams that's willing to tank. Uh, there's you know some signs that. Uh, they might shut it down at some point. So I don't want to be caught holding the bag with James Conner. But he does have a nice role, and so that could potentially pan out for you. But for me, I would avoid uh, James Conner. I feel like I was slightly high on James Conner, but like all those things you say, every time his name came across the board, I'd be like, I don't know, that offense uh, in Arizona is kind of suspect. You know, it's just like volume's great, but outside of volume, like are they ever going to get to the red zone? Like, <laughs> So the player that I'm targeting uh, a lot this year, um, obviously, um, by ADP. So, obviously, like, you know, we all love Justin Jefferson. We all love, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley. But at ADP, where I think, you know, is a really good value is Jalen Warren, uh, running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, recently, I've gotten really big uh, Zeke, Elliott, and Tony Pollard vibes out of that backfield. Um, Najee is just more of a, a bigger running back. He's more punishing. Uh, he has more weight on him. He has more pedigree. He was drafted in the first round. Uh, Warren was not drafted in the first round. But in almost every metric of rushing, he has been way more efficient. Like he has more uh, yards per carry. He has more yards per route run. He has a longer A dot. Um, and all on fewer amount of rushes. Uh, he he's, he's surpassing Najee in almost everything. He just looks... Uh, faster, more electric, um, and uh, it, I think he's forcing the hands of the of the Steelers coaching staff to make it like you know Najee's always just considered a bell cow, you know, and I think uh, Jalen Warren is forcing the Steelers to make it more of like sixty five thirty five or uh, you know sixty forty split, and Jalen Warren's going in round ten or or beyond, and if anything ever happens to Najee Harris. Or even just, you know, with the touches that Jalen Warren has been getting, uh, he's just been super hyper efficient on the ground and he's, he's earning more playing time in Pittsburgh. So if you want someone that can be like a flex starter or even an RB2, borderline RB1, if Najee ever misses time that goes after round 10, I would definitely pick Jalen Warren. Uh, so this year, um, I'm low on Michael Pittman. He's a wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, first year of Anthony Richardson, uh, notoriously uh, bad with accuracy, um, run first quarterback, brand new offense, uh, fourth year wide receiver, 
Um, and uh, just historically, if, if, if you look at, uh, you know, previous trends, uh, no wide receiver with a rookie quarterback has finished as a top 20 wide receiver since 2014. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it, it's really hard for wide receivers to, uh, finish at the end of the year as a top 21 if, if, if they have a rookie quarterback. Um, so I'm, uh, you know, Michael Pittman is being, he's not being drafted super high, but even where he's being drafted at in the, in the fourth, fifth round, um, is uh, a little bit too high for me. I would fade everyone on the Colts offense right now, other than Anthony Richardson. Yeah. So for me, it's going to be someone that probably isn't too high on people's draft boards because of his age. Uh, but it's Joe Mixon for me. I think that with the restructure of the contract with Cincinnati, it shows that, and with also with a very minimal competition there, I believe that he's going to be someone that's going to really benefit um, with being the, the running back part of that offense, knowing that that offense is so prolific already. Um, and I know that with him, a lot of the, um, you know, just questions are whether or not he can stay healthy. But with Cincinnati, just moving on with Samaj P. Ryan, who's now in Denver, who I think is going to do really well over there, especially with Javante Williams' situation. Um, but we see that um, even, even with him there last season, Mixon was still getting a lot of work as far as his receiving yards go. So he was actually six among running backs with receiving yards with 441. He was uh, fifth with total receptions with 60. And then he also was top 25 uh, when the rushing yards category. So this is someone that is a dual threat running back. So if you are in PPR formats, this is someone that you are ideally looking for, especially considering that currently his ADP has him going within, um, it says here overall 39. So that's what in the middle of the third round, almost fourth. So to get that kind of production and then to also add to the fact that he did restructure his contract to stay within that offense, I think speaks volumes. And they also didn't add much competition to really take that really away from him. So that's where I'm leaning on. And I think that he is someone that could really make a huge impact. Now, as far as people that I'm low on, um, it's funny, I just made a video about that, but um, I'm actually going to be a little bit down on one of my own Eagles and that's Devontae Smith. I think he's currently being drafted at his ceiling. Now, there's no question that he's talented. Um, I don't know if Philadelphia could replicate what happened last season, which I'm hoping they do. But I think currently Devontae Smith is being drafted at his ceiling, even though the talent is obviously there. He's someone that is a great route runner, rather route route runner. I don't know why I couldn't say that together. Route route runner. I still can't even say it. I'll blame my Mexicanity. Sorry. English was my second language. Um, but yeah, it's just because of the fact of where he's going. I mean, I think if if he drops at a pretty good price, which I think would be the third, fourth round, um, that'd be pretty good, but I'm seeing him going a little bit too high for me currently in the second round. Um, and I think that um, we saw Philadelphia also uh, really start to target Devonte Smith. Once we had some concerns with Dallas Goddard and his injury issues that he had towards the end of the year. And that's where we saw Devonte Smith flourish. So not saying don't fade him, but just make sure that you're being mindful of where you're getting Devonte Smith. Cause you may be getting him at too much of an expensive price. Very reassuring. Yeah, I really wanted Devonte Smith. But the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, well, like, Brandon, I re- Mike, we're we're in a fourteen team league though, so it's, so that is different. I, I really wanted a Devontae Smith uh, in our league too, and uh, I didn't get him. So uh, my you know high pick or somebody that I am willing to reach for is Calvin Ridley, and I know there's a lot of concern. He's been out of the game for two years. Um, you know, how's he gonna look? He's in a new offense. Here's my thing. The last two seasons that he was uh, in the league, I think it was uh, 19. So in 2019, he was a top 20 receiver. 
20 actually. And then in 2020, his last full season, he was the wide receiver four overall. Obviously the next season he decides to take off for mental health. Um, then, you know, the following season he's suspended for, for gambling. But I think those two years, if anything, are going to benefit his body. He's still only, he's going to be 29 in December. He's playing in a really good offense with a really good coach. Um, he's got a really good quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who is obviously taking leaps forward. This is his third year in the league. So, I mean, like all arrows are pointing up in obviously his ceiling. And I think he'll have a solid floor because, I mean, look at Christian Kirk last year. I mean, he was really, really good um, for being, you know, like a slot receiver and Mm -hmm. being the number one receiver in that offense. So I think Calvin really is going to like, he's going to come in there and it's not only going to, you know, improve the offense overall, but I think it's going to improve, you know, the likes of Evan Ingram and um, Christian Kirk and even the running game, you know, because defenses are actually going to have to um, game plan for this guy. He's not, you know, like I said, he's, he's not a scrub. So, I mean, I'm willing to reach. I actually reached for him in the third round, um, I believe of our, our draft. Cause I knew he wasn't going to make it around back on the turn. Um, so he's somebody that I'm really high. I think he has top five potential at the position. And obviously I'm crossing my fingers that that happens, but, um, I, he's my, you know, he's my high this year. And then as far as my low, um, Debo Samuel, I think Debo Samuel is getting taken way too early in drafts. He's only had one season where he's been a top, you know, or I would say a top 10. He was, I think, number four, number three, something like that. Um, But he's only had one season where he's been in the top 20, which was that season. And then every other season, he's been out of the top 20 as a wide receiver. Um, He's not being utilized, you know, in the rushing, you know, in the rushing aspect. Like uh, he was that, that one, you know, astronomical season he had where, you know, he was scoring rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns. So, I, I mean, I have to I have to fade him at his current price. Uh, I'm not avoiding him, you know, in like altogether, but I just think he's getting taken way too early. I think he's ranked way too high. I think there's too many mouths to feed in that 49ers um, offense. You got, you know, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Ayuk, then you have Debo. Like, they're going to spread the ball around, and, and I don't think that he's going to benefit every week. You know, he's going to have ups and downs, obviously. Um, it looks like he's getting taken around the fourth or fifth round. So, I mean, for me, I feel like that's, you know, way too, way too steep of a price to pay. I'd rather wait and, and for like, a, you know, a round or two later, you can grab Brandon Ayuk. So I, I'm I'm really low on Debo Samuel. All right. You know, what? it's funny, too, because. When I was considering which low I was going to pick, he did come across my radar. I was like, maybe I should pick him. But I was like, I felt like he, once I went went around, I thought, nah, he's going to probably come up by someone and it was you. Uh, <laughs> I guess for me, everyone, everybody went, right? Okay. Uh, for me, I wanted, to say, I, I wanted to say a rookie wide receiver for my high between like Jordan S and Zay Flowers, Quinn Johnson. I felt like they were all going to be really good and be productive their rookie seasons. But I decided to not go with a rookie wide receiver because I couldn't pick just one. So I'm going to go with George Pickens. I think he's going to have, I think he's going to make the biggest leap into like wide receiver 20 territory this year. I think uh, him and Pickett have a pretty good connection. I think Pickett's going to have actually a pretty decent, it might not be a great fantasy year, 
but I think he's going to be a decent quarterback. I, I do think the target share between Deontay Johnson and Pick and uh, Pickens is going to be a little bit more fifty fifty than than what's this, what's expected. I know Johnson's going to get a lot of possession receiver uh, routes and stuff like that. And I think Pickens is going to have a lot of big play ability, and I think those big plays are going to help uh, st- uh, rise the stock a bit. I, I felt like I had to reach about a round early for him in our draft just because I feel like he was going to come around. I think I got him in the sixth round. Not 100% sure about that. But yeah, I think he's yeah, going to have, right. I think, I, th- I think he's going to, um, I think he's going to have a really good year. I think he's going to make the leap into top 20 territory. And I, I think the talent's certainly there. It's just the production and the volume has to meet the talent. Uh, for my low, I've kind of mentioned this before. I felt like I wanted to pick someone that's really high on the list, someone we haven't mentioned yet already. And I was going to, you know, and I, it's to me, it's not because of the talent. It's because eventually he's going to have to regress. He's two years past his expiration date on regression. Derek Henry, you don't want to pick him in your first 15 picks on the year he finally regresses. It's going to happen eventually. It happens to everyone. You don't want to be the person who picks him on the year it finally happens. That's just what I, that's where I'm at. Like for the last two or three years, it might have. I picked him in Dynasty last year, and then I was like, I'm trading him this year because I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be you because he could lose all his value by the end of the season. So I still think he's going to be talented. I still think I'm going to look probably really stupid when he ends up giving you a top three running back performance this year. But then next year, I'm going to say the exact same thing. Like he's past his expiration date on regressing, and I think. You just don't want to be the person. And knowing my luck, he's going to regress the year I pick him. So in terms of just me personally, I'm fading on Derrick Henry. He's going to be four years old. And no, Brian, that was my take two years ago. Yards. <laughs> what was that, Mike? I, I was going to say uh, we're going to be at his age 40 season, and he's going to be con- uh, turning out consecutive 1,000-yard rushing seasons. Like He just doesn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like five yards uh, after hit, <laughs> like like every every uh, every yeah. uh, run. Uh, anybody got any just, final thoughts or any players you want to shout I, out? I, oh, go I see. don't know how you can. I don't know how you could fade somebody. We've talked about this in previous episodes. How you can fade somebody that has no evidence of decline? He, he, I think he that, had a decent injury that kind of sidelined him. And once you start seeing the injuries happen at a late age, that it might not be the talents going away, but it might just mean the health is and the health matters just as much as the talent. Yeah. And I remember two years ago, I told this to Eddie, I was so down on Derrick Henry and a lot of it was because of age. And there was this stat I read from Michael Fabiano and he had wrote this, uh, this great piece. I'll send you guys a link to um, talking about how, the top 12 running backs typically are not 27 years or older. And Derrick Henry was right on that fringe, especially coming after the 2,000-yard season that he had. And Brian, to your point, in 2021, this is where I kind of took somewhat of a victory lap because of this take. Even though he was blowing up, he had um, uh, from week 9 through week 18, he was completely inactive. And a lot of it was now thinking, okay, is this now part of that regression we're going to be expecting? Not because of talent, but because of his body breaking down, considering he's gotten so much usage. And he's still getting that usage today, um, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately, but for my take at least, last season he proved us, all, of course, all wrong because he was still getting that work. He was still very productive. And I think that that's a valid concern. And But I feel like I've been on the Derrick Henry 
don't draft bandwagon. And I think last season was a bad year for those of us that had that take, considering mm-hmm. how well he played. But yeah, I think he's a fade considering he's still going within as a top 10 running back. And I believe that uh, that's just too much risk considering all that usage that he's already had. Uh, his body's made out. And, of, his body's made out of granite, but it's. Like have you seen? Have you seen him? Have you seen him yes, in the I, gym? I've seen him in the gym with no shirt on. That guy is just made, he, made I, him look the same. I know exactly what he looks like. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't. You know, he's a second round pick. If he was my running back too, like if you go double running back one and two, like I mean, he'd be a solid running back too. Like I don't. I, I don't know. I wouldn't have any worry uh, taking him. You know, even at the end of the first round into the second round, like, I I would have no worry taking him. Eddie, you're going to say so, something? Yeah. Yeah, Steven, to answer your question, uh, like, I, I really think it's a remarkable question. Like, how can you fade someone that has shown zero signs of decline? And to, to back up Brian, I don't really think he's fading Derrick Henry, but he's more, uh, he's he's high on father time, really. It's not, like, I don't think he, it's, it's, a, it's a Derrick Henry fade. It's just, you know, um, Father Time is undefeated, man, and uh, he's 29 years old. He's a, he's approaching 30. He'll be 30 during the season, and in running back years, man, that's you know that's uh, like you're going on your last leg. Um, fun fact, though, to bring it kind of full circle, uh, it's widely kind of talked about. I'm sure you guys have heard it at least once. Like the amount of carries that Derrick Henry's had, like pre NFL, like he. I, I like there are games in high school where he rushed for like three to three four hundred yards a game, and he would get the ball like thirty five times, and for like four you know years in a row, and then he had a crazy you know crazy amount of rushes in college. So like the, it's well documented the amount of carries and just tread that he has before entering the NFL. Um, there's only one running back that's active right now that has actually more carries before getting into the NFL than Derrick Henry. And can you guys guess who that player is? Zeke. More, Zeke. More carries. Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I think he did. He's the only running back <clears throat> other than Derrick Henry. Or I guess he's the only running back to have more carries than Derrick Henry did before entering the NFL. So And and look at that. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is finding himself on the, on, you know, on the pup list. So just a little nugget, something to store in the back of your mind for future seasons. Um, but Derrick Henry's definitely made out of the material that they make bowling balls. I think I read something sure. recently too that like Jonathan Taylor's first major injury was in the NFL, and like he's never missed time. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, yep. yeah. And the thing is, it's not really Derrick Henry in general. It's Derrick Henry with being basically your RB one or being picked within the mm-hmm. first yeah. like fifteen, sixteen right. picks of the draft. It's to me. It's like if he were to fall to the third, and he, like you said, he's RB two, or just in general, he falls to the third. That's a totally different story. But the fact that you have to make a decision to draft Henry within the first two rounds, I'm like, I'd rather get someone who's 25, 26 years old than draft sure. Henry. I just feel like running backs are so thin at that, le- like that tier of running backs is so thin that, like, I don't know. I just, like I said, you're you're right. Father time eventually comes for everybody, but. With the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, I, I think that that's going to help him this year. He's obviously, you know, there's still going to be a run-heavy, you know, offense. But I think, you know, he, he's not going to have to carry as much weight as he has in the past. Um, I think hot take, he's going to be a top three running back by the end of the year. Yeah, so, nice. Ooh, that's a hot take. Middle take, I think he'll just be like top 15. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
But if he gets top three, guess what? I'm still right. So, <laughs> uh, all right. We've we've given a lot of advice to a lot of people today, but what's some final advice for a fantasy football owner uh, this week around? We'll start with you, Ivan. Well, um, for starters, I guess I would say my main one, if I had to choose this one advice to give to someone, um, fantasy football is a highly emotional sport, rather emotional game that we play. Uh, but it is, even though, of course, we take part in season long, see, rather these long seasons, um, it is a weekly game. So you have to still plan week in, week out, put out the best roster possible. So it's easy to try to forecast for week 10, try to, you know, uh, you know, to, you know, just try to counter all like the, the various bye weeks, all of the different scheduling, but it's put out the best weekly matchup that you possibly could. And, um, I know that's probably a very basic take, but my advice would be just uh, take all emotion out of it and put the best weekly team that you possibly can and worry about bye weeks as they come. But uh, this is a weekly game for season duration. I respect that. Uh, Mike? I would say, obviously, do your homework. Uh, do your homework and uh, find rankings that uh, – that you feel confident in. Uh, obviously not everyone has access to uh, NFL next gen stats and can crunch out numbers. These are, you know, professionals that, you know, they have st- statistical backgrounds. Uh, it's okay to rely on them. And then as far as what Ivan says, just to kind of uh, piggyback off him, uh, it is an emotional sport or it's an emotional game and uh, stay true to your board. Uh, don't be afraid to, Follow your rankings, and then um, also don't rely, don't pick players thinking that oh, I can just trade this person later. Someone will need this player. Don't don't uh, make picks thinking that you're going to be able to trade them later because trades are a lot harder to pull off uh, in reality than they are theoretically. Yeah, and to go back to your rankings thing, sometimes look at two to three different rankings and then try to gauge that. Cause like, for example, me and Steven are sometimes looking at different rankings and then we'll show up to a draft or go to a draft and there's different rankings there. And we'll be like, wait, their ADP has them like 10 picks ahead of where I thought they were going to go. <laughs> so like that totally changes your strategy. Right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Eddie. Um, I would say to, um, view your fantasy football season, um as a table uh and the draft is one of the table's legs um the other three legs are the waiver wire uh trades and setting your lineup so you don't have to have a perfect team before week one you don't have to win your draft you don't have to necessarily love your team uh right as soon as your draft is over it's just a leg uh you know of the fast football table um and just a kind of like another nugget that goes kind of, you know, with that is uh, for me, like how I personally draft and play fantasy football is with upside. Uh, in my opinion, upside is what wins championships at the end of the day. Um, my personal like draft strategy from round three ish and on is every time it's my turn to pick and I view someone that I want to pick, I always ask myself, what is the best case scenario for this player? And then based on like any data or information that I have or that's available, um, am I confident that 
this player has a path to their best place, you know, best case scenario. Uh, if the answer is yes, if there's a clear path there, then I go ahead and take that player. Now you might say like, oh, what about the downside? Every player has a downside. Well, that's what the other three uh, legs of the table are for. That's what the waiver wire is for. That's what trades are for. And that's what, you know, your skill and setting your lineup every single week. So um, it's it's a very long uh, marathon. So if you, again, if you don't love your team after the draft, there's the other three legs that you can focus on. Um, if you want to go for a player because of their upside in round four, round five, but you're scared of their downside, quote unquote, those will, that's what the other three legs of that table is for. So you can go ahead and bet on that player for their upside and then just be confident that you can, um, you know, either steer or recover with using the other three legs of the fantasy football season. Steve, what you got? You know what I love about fantasy football is that everybody has a different philosophy of how to approach it. And although all five of us have different philosophies, we still kind of end up in the same spot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the beauty of fantasy football. But if I had to give advice uh, to somebody either just starting or, you know, somebody looking to just, you know, get better year after year, it would be that ADP rankings are just a guideline. And they're not like set in stone. As Brian mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, different websites have people at different, you know, positions. Mm -hmm. If somebody is, you know, a little lower on the ADP, but you're, you know, you're picking towards the end and you know he's not going to make it back, you know, on the turn for another 20 picks, 24 picks, whatever. It's okay to reach a little bit, you know, like I think um, ADP guidelines or ADP rankings should be put into tiers. I think that's one of... Um, one of my best practices that I've done over the, the past you know couple years is to put players into tiers. And so that way, like if you do reach round five and the guy you wanted is gone, you kind of have an option of other players that you value in a similar, um, you know, similar category as that one that, you know, you got uh, or you weren't able to draft. So my, my best advice to, to newcomers or to people just starting off is um, don't follow the ADP exactly to a T. Mm -hmm. It's okay to steer a little bit off and, you know, and, and fantasy football is meant to be fun. So if there is a player, you know, that's like I said, if you're reaching a little bit for a player you really want, it's totally worth taking that player because I'll tell you this, in the middle of the season when that player is blowing up and you are like, dang, I should have just took him. That's way worse than just not, you know, than having him and him not, you know, performing as well as you thought. So um, that would be my, my piece of advice to the newcomers. Uh Kind of going off of that too is like don't make fantasy football miserable for yourself. Uh, if you're fit, if there's like a fifty-fifty player there, choose the player that you think you would actually enjoy watching play every. Like if you're gonna watch on Red Zone, you're gonna watch every week. If, but I, obviously, there's situations where you should pick the better player. Obviously, but if there's someone fifty-fifty and you're like and you're trying to figure, don't make fantasy football miserable for yourself. Pick players you actually like. Pick players you want to root for. Pick players that you like, that you want to... And then, like, if you have to reach for them, like Steven said, reach for them. Like, for example, uh, we had two Dynasty drafts. We had a redraft re recently. I watched Jordan Addison play in college. I'm a USC guy. I, I told myself, I want to watch as much Jordan Addison as I could this year, and I'm going to draft him. I'm going to reach for him. I'm going to get him. I, I picked him about... 40 points, I think, above his ADP on the ESPN rankings. And I think I picked him about 25 points on other rankings. Uh, but I was like, I want to make sure I get him. Because you know what? There's some other smart player in your league that's going to pick the player that you like, too, because they might have the same idea you have. So if there's a player you like, reach for him. 
and just trust that the other parts of your uh, league are going to, or the other parts of your team are going to be good. Uh, on submarine, just get your guys. Yeah. Uh, basically, just to piggyback off Ivan, uh, fantasy football does get emotional. Uh, make sure to stay true to your board. Uh, you do want to get your guys. Don't reach too far. Uh, I call them the Dalsim picks. You don't want to make those, uh, too many of those at least. That's uh, a Street Fighter reference for those that don't know. And also, too, like if, especially if you're picking at the ends, uh, you also want to keep in mind who your league mates have drafted. So say, for example, you're at pick number nine in, in an odd round, like let's just say round five, uh, and picks 10 through 12 already have a quarterback and you still need one. Probably don't pick a quarterback at that spot. Uh, you can pick, you know, whatever you need, running back, receiver, tight end, and then you can follow up with your quarterback after. Great so advice. make sure you save uh, one of your other needs uh, prior to going with the one that your league mates right behind you uh, already have. So you want to, you know, maximize your player pool availability. All right. Yeah. I think that, you know, that wraps it up. Uh, Mike, do you have uh, a place where people can find you or anything you want to shout out? So I don't have uh, fantasy football content like on Instagram or anything, but uh, I want to shout out you guys. So on Twitter or X, you can follow uh, OT Fantasy. Um, they'll have the description or they'll have the name and the handle on the, in the description. Sorry, <laughs> that's going to go in the bloopers. Yeah. Um, also, shout out to Ivan <laughs> with the 100 uh, Fantasy Football. Does great work on TikTok and YouTube. Uh, follow him on Instagram as well. I'm not sure if that page is on X, but uh, I'm sure he's going to have that in the description as well. Uh, shout out to the three of you guys. You guys produce great content. I listen to you guys all the time, and uh, keep it up. We appreciate that, Mike. I don't know if you're lying, but we appreciate it anyways. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Eddie? Yeah, I know. Just to piggyback off Mike, you know, we're on here for a reason because of you guys, uh, you know, uh, Stephen and Brian. So I urge all you guys to follow um, you guys on Twitter at OT Fantasy F Ball. Um, and uh, I know your podcast feed, I personally listen to you guys on Spotify. Um, is full of uh, previews of all the divisions um, uh, in the NFL. You guys, you know, break them down um, very well and, with all the players and implications. And also, uh, you know, Ivan's joining us today at 100 Fantasy Football. He's on YouTube. Uh, he's on TikTok. Uh, he's on Instagram. Uh, so, uh, you know, shout out to you guys for having uh, Mike and I on. Ah, well, you know, they already did really decent plugs for us, but Ivan, why don't you plug yourself real quick? Sure. Yeah. So if you're looking to follow a dad that um, uses fantasy football as an outlet, and this is my favorite time of the year where I get to use the leave me the hell alone card um, at home um, where I put my two week notice uh, of being a father and a husband so I can get ready for this upcoming season. But yeah, uh, just follow the content at 100 fantasy football on YouTube, on Instagram, and of course on TikTok. Um, but huge shout out to OT fantasy football. You guys have been awesome. It's been fun also listening to you guys as well. Uh, considering that all of us essentially started in the same league and now have this passion to want to create content for it. So just huge shout out to you guys for having us all here together. I appreciate that. You're giving us way too much credit, but we thank you. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at fantasy F ball. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts. Make sure to follow, like, subscribe, share the podcast, share uh, 100 Fantasy Football. Um, also, great content. Yep. With that, 
Hey, we're not fortune tellers, but we're fortunate enough to bring you the beautiful game of fantasy football. We'll see you guys on the next one. 